Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Lisa Bodell online. Lisa, how are you? Hey, good. Thanks for having me, Michael. I'm looking forward to this conversation. So thank you very much for coming on the show. So why don't you share a little bit about you the you know, with the audience and also you know some of the work that you've been doing lately? Sure. So I, I've got a lot of different titles from CEO of FutureThink to futurist to keynote speaker and author. And a lot of the work that I do centers on innovation and more recently, simplicity. Because what we found with people is that they can't get to the innovation because everything's too complex. So that's what my firm really centers on. And I founded it 20 years ago with the idea of uh, that people really just wanted us to give them tools, right, to figure out how to do it. And it turns out people really want more direction than that because life's more complex. Um, So it's been a really great journey. And I love being able to teach people how to embrace change and make their lives a little easier. I'm a big fan of simplicity. I find in my life, especially as I get older, I look for opportunities to make things even simpler than what I did before. And it's it's okay. not a set it and forget it type of thing. It's an it's a constant evolution. It's like, okay, what can I do to make this process easier or this habit easier, just make things easier. And of course, during this pandemic with deliveries and things like that, you know, get my groceries delivered. Of course, there's a fee involved, of course, but the time it saves me is time that I can do other things that are really productive. And it's also helping out, you know, someone that's doing the grocery shopping for me and delivery services and all of that. So that is one thing that I found, okay, that makes my life simpler. I just go on the app, I pick the things, they send me a note, it's out of stock. Of course it is. Supply chain has been messed up during this pandemic. I'm not shocked, All right. Well, I'll, I'll try that one or no, give me the refund. But yeah. at the end of the day, using different things to look and to make things easier and simpler is great. And in a workplace environment, which I know mm-hmm. you, you know, do a ton of work around this, so many people get bogged down because of communication and silos and all these other things that they 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 long for simplicity, but, but they don't know how to get there. Well, we talk about um, you know when I, I I speak with people and give keynotes, I say well, the first question we have to ask ourselves is why do we keep choosing complexity? And people don't realize that we often choose the beast that we become a slave to. And, you know, whether it's trying to multitask or it's trying to, everything gets the same level of urgency. Um, We do things without challenging them and challenging the assumptions around them. The good news about the pandemic is it has helped us challenge the way we do things. So you mentioned online groceries. That's not new, right? It's just all of a sudden you gave yourself the permission and question, huh, how can I make this easier? Making that more of a habit and routine Uh, both at work and in our lives, I think is something that will be good coming out of the pandemic. And I hope it sticks as a habit, right? Not a one and done. And that's our mission is we want to go in and teach people how to kill stupid rules, how to get rid of zombie meetings, how to not do the unnecessary work so they can focus on what matters. And that focusing on what matters time creates the opportunity for creativity. That's right. Or 
you know, throwing something at the wall, testing things. You know, recently, a few months ago, uh, one of the inventors at 3M that was part of the post-it note discovery passed away. And, you know, I read, you know, the, the bio about him and the story behind it and how they had this adhesive that they've been, you know, fumbling around with for years. And like, yeah, hey, we don't know what to do with this stuff. And, and then, three you know they came up with the post-it note basically and you know that that generated a few billion dollars for that organization uh, (laughs) on just on something that they were just playing around with like oh let's let's try this and that needs to be in every organization you play that's the well that's the point really which is you know everyone thinks that um the reason you do the complexity is a problem, right? It's because it's a financial drain. And really the the issue with complexity is it's the enemy of meaningful work. It holds us back from doing the inventive work we need to do in the first place. And, you know, when I talk to people, I usually ask them two questions. The first one is um, uh, when and where do you do your best thinking? And so, for example, Michael, when and where do you do yours? Where's your very best thinking? Usually in the morning, between 8.30 and 9.30. Okay. Uh, I, I get up early. I'm usually up by 5.30. So, but I do other things, you know, self-care mm-hmm. activities, you know, make coffee, eat breakfast, you know, get in a little bit of a workout. And, and then that way it's like, okay, now I'm, I'm prepared for the day. But before I dive in and go, okay, what's going on in the world? It's like, well, have a plan. You know, what, what, you know, would work well this week. How do I feel? What's my energy levels like today? Which mm. dictates what I that will means. choose to work on. And each day of the week, I have themes, and I and I try to schedule my days to match up with those themes. So that way, the work mm. that I'm doing is similar in nature. So I don't have this jagged edge, sharp turns type of thing or something you would get uh, the Michigan left type of situation. All the time. Um, I'll, I'll explain that in the show notes, what that means. So a lot of people are like, Michigan left, what are you talking about? It's like, yeah, I never realized it wasn't a thing everywhere else until I never saw it anywhere else. So it's like, hmm, it's interesting, but, but I, I again, well, when and where you do your best thinking is important. And it's, it's really good. I heard what you're saying is you're very intentional about it. And the issue with most people is they're not. And that's part of the problem is when, when most people do their best thinking is when they're alone, when it's quiet, and when they're not at work. And that's an issue, right? We're not doing our best thinking at work. So then when I ask people, what, what do they do at work? What do they spend their days doing? They answer with meetings and emails. Now, that's not meaningful work. So the point is, is that we've gotten off track. So we've got to help people carve out the unnecessary stuff so they can have more of that thinking time. And I think one of the issues is, is with management right now, they think of simplicity as being organized. Organized is not simplified. It's very different. As well as um, it's about productivity. People are very productive. They can get a lot done. But it's not about getting a lot done. It's about getting focused and important things done. So we've got to shift from time management to um, intention with our time, just like you do. So we can really know what we say yes to, and more importantly, what we say no to. Yeah, and employees need to have the authority to be able to say no to things. And, And many times they're afraid to, and many managers... I want to. I don't want to blame them, but I find with a lot of leaders, 
that are really good at delegation. Um, one thing that they're not good at is tracking what they've delegated. And not yeah. because of a project management type of situation. Is They don't know that they've overloaded their project manager in this division or the front lines in this division because like, well, they can do it, they can do it. And they forget how much is coming in instead of taking a step back and using, you know, the work that you do and say, okay, what's important work? Who are we? What should we be working on? What is just noise or quote unquote busy work that can get deferred or deleted or whatever. That's just right. focus on what, our customers need seeing conversations that I've had with many companies, especially in the early days of the pandemic, you know, I told them, be sure to communicate with your customers right now and find out what they need now, not what you give them typically. This is not typical time. What do they need right now? And if you can deliver that, deliver that. Or if you need to adjust back what you offer because their situation has changed, then do so. You mm-hmm. have that open line of communication going to make things easier. And the companies that have done that, you know, have been able to navigate through this pretty well and help their customers do the same thing. Well, that's the point is that I think the people that have really navigated the pandemic well is um, because they have focus and you can't have focus and move with speed if you have complexity. So getting rid of the complexity, not just gives you focus, but it gives you speed and you're able to respond when things happen to you. But more importantly, um, you're able to create change when you're not in a bad time. So, you know, ideally this isn't all about being able to respond to a pandemic. This is about having a team that can actually proactively change the industry and get their competitors off guard. So it's a, it's a proactive strategy, not just a reactive strategy. And I find too many organizations, I used to work in healthcare for a long time, and yeah. that, that is definitely, unfortunately, a reactive environment. A little complexity not, there. Yeah. And just a, just a wee bit of complexity um, with billing and compliance and patients and medications <laughs> and, and you know, nine out of 10 patients not following the orders that they get from their healthcare provider, you know, just, you know, things like that, you know. But at the end of the day, I find that, again... Those organizations that will periodically take a step back and go, okay, how can we do this simpler? What are some things? And, and, and organizations that are going through rapid growth are the ones that either can be really good at it or they can actually suffer by the growth because if they bring along the bad habits as they've gotten bigger, well, guess what? Those bad habits got a whole lot bigger. And then they're going, okay, wait a minute, how do we do this? So it just boils down to keep it simple and, and review and, and have many sets of eyes looking at it because there are things as a leader that I don't see just because I'm not in the trenches necessarily and, and, and have the courage to hire the best people that can be your eyes at every level. You're going to be so much better off if you do so. Well, that gets to a good point, which is, you know, everyone needs to be doing it. And so we've got to give people the permission uh, and sometimes even the mandate to do it because a lot of complexity is created through fear. So, you know, people are afraid about losing their jobs, about making the wrong decisions. So that's why we see see too many people. We invite too many people to meetings. We, we go on and on about stuff too long just to be triple sure versus having confidence in the simplicity of our, the way that we work. And so that's why it's so important that the leadership not just empowers it, but also practices it. So 
for example, I know that one leader advisor was telling us troops to say no to meetings, to take back their time. And uh, he realized after a month that everyone was still going to the same amount of meetings. And he couldn't figure out why. And, you know, he pulled aside one of his kind of trusted people on the team and they said, well, you're not saying no to meetings, so no one feels comfortable, right? So the signal comes from the top, the tone comes from the top, but the empowerment also has to come. And even with simplicity, sometimes you have to mandate it because so much of it is driven by fear. So when they're told they must do it, then it becomes something that they feel like uh, they won't be blamed. Um, it can have a lot of powerful effects. I invite people to try getting rid of things to see how simplicity has great impact. Yeah, and you can always add back. It's not like you're throwing it out, but it's much like, the. and I use this analogy from time to time, the junk drawer. We all have those things. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know where this goes. It goes in that drawer, and then you look at it, and you're like, wow, this is absolutely amazing. And th- again, <laughs> sorry to make this so um, Michigan-based, but do you, do you remember, and this was out... I don't know if you ever went over that way. It was uh, in Waterford, basically on M59, but it was north of it. And it was called the Whoopie Bowl. It was this little hole-in-the-wall old house that literally was the world's largest junk drawer. They had like, if you needed one wheel for like a you know a table or something, what? or it, it was like this thing where it was just, I don't know where they accumulated, but it was more like, it looked like an old antique store, but they had just like, like you need like one little screw or a wing nut or something like that. And, you know, now of course you can go to Home Depot and get little things, all that, but I remember the, they had everything there. I remember as a kid going into this place and I was like, and of course there was no toys. So I didn't really care. I'm like, well, why are we here? But it was always one of those things. Let's go see if we can find this thing. And more often than not, you'd be able to find like a, a, a replacement leg for a chair or something. It was just so silly, random, uh, random stuff, but that, that was around for a long time. And I, I should probably look in the history of it and see if anything's out there, but yeah, I want to Google it. But all the things that we'd throw into this junk drawer from time to time, it's good to empty that junk drawer. And that junk drawer I'm referring to is all the things that we do, pull it out, go back to the beginning, start, to, you know, let's do real simple. And if something is missing, well, you know what it was, you can add it back. But if you do it and you go, wow, we don't need to do this. Well, that makes me think of two things, which is um, that happen, right? Two common things. First is, is that complexity is typically created with the best of intentions. Like people are trying to move faster to quickly get something done on top of a process versus break it all down again. So with few exceptions, it's usually unintentional, right? Um, But the other thing is, is that it really helps to pause, look at it like your drunk drawer, right? It's the best of intentions of like putting it somewhere, but then it becomes a very complex thing. Um, but the idea is to simplify things as much as possible. It's not to completely strip them away and get rid of them and be black and white about it. But the idea is to make them as simple as possible. So for example, if you have contracts, and those are usually very complex, rather than trying to get a 100-page contract down to one page, that might be too simple. Maybe you can only get it down to 10 pages. That's still a 90% improvement. So the idea is not to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but just to get it as simplified as possible. And there's always ways to simplify things, whether it's minimizing or through clarity or making it repeatable or making it more accessible. There's, it's more than just about getting rid of when you think about simplification. 
Yeah, I love that exercise. And it, it, again, it's one of those things where it's not a set and forget. It's you do this periodically. You schedule, right. schedule this. And in an 18,000 meetings you're scheduling, maybe make one of them this. And, and, and just be open to it and creative because what worked for us today may not work for us tomorrow. That's just right. based on the dy- you know, ever-changing dynamics of everything. So, Well, that's true. Like with rules, for example. We always say rules are like, you know, it's in a garden. They grow back like weeds. So you have to always tend to it. Absolutely. So in the pre-show, you had mentioned that you're starting to work on a new book. And you, obviously, you're yes. you know, best-selling author and keynote speaker and all that. But, you know, what? And I, I'm guessing we've talked a little bit about the book uh, in our conversation. But uh, in, in particular, you know, what's the drive of the book? You know, what, what's going to be the meat and bones? Yeah. No, I appreciate asking because right now I'm in that as what we like to call, you know, as authors, the fetal position, part of the book writing, which is just incubating it, you know. Um, What I've noticed about since talking about simplicity over the last couple of years is that, first of all, um, everyone loves the topic because no one is without complexity. The second thing, though, is that I realized that many leaders misinterpret it. And they put it in the bucket of productivity and efficiency, And nobody wants to be told that they need to be more efficient and more productive. They're burned out not because they're morons. They're burned out because they're not doing the work that matters. So I want to shift people. And my next book is going to talk not about time management, but um, being more intentional with our time. So if we're going to really focus on meaning, we've got to start thinking about how we use our time differently. And it's not about doing more within the same amount of time. It's about doing valuable. It's so important, and it's you know, time is one of those things where once you spend it, it's gone. And the meaningful work, the the work where you're seeing results that matters, that's in the sweet spot of everybody. Everyone has something they're really good at, and I, I find the organizations that have somebody, and they're like they're a little bit off. They're not you know getting the traction that they normally do. But you find out that they really like another type of role. And if mm-hmm. that role is available, it's like, well, put them over in there and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And I've seen time after time, they go into that role. All of a sudden, they are like a completely different employee. That's true. Um, and they are happy. And that's contagious. I mean, people feed off of like, wow, what a transition we've seen when you moved Robin over into that division. It's as if you found what she really loves doing and and it's made such a positive impact in that department which has a ripple effect throughout and it's just knowing your team you know using a sports analogy it's like okay you've got players you're like okay yeah they're all great in this position but this particular player is really good at this role okay well we got somebody in that role already well what about is there any roles that that person could do? And it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's playing around. And, and of course you, you, you have buy-in from everybody involved and say, look, let's, let's try it. And I think the let's try it uh, is, 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 is critical. Everybody acts anymore as if it's, oh, wait a minute, we're doing this in concrete and permanent marker type of thing. No, yeah. no, you can <laughs> you pencil people, eraser, use, mm-hmm. you know, you can always change it back. That's right. That's but right. You won't know unless you try it. And if all the evidence points to this actually could be beneficial, then give it a shot. 
Well, I think that's the point of piloting, right? So I think people want to think in terms of black and white, but uh, then they don't want to take a risk. So I think the idea of piloting something or experimenting with getting rid of something when you're talking about simplicity is a great thing to do. Try it for 30 days. And if you don't like it, bring, you know, miss it, bring it back. It's fine. What's the loss? Exactly. And it gives that creative juices. And they say, well, you know what? This didn't work. But during this time we were doing this, we noticed something else. And that took them off in a direction that actually made a massive improvement in another part of the company. And again, if they didn't pilot that one thing, they would have not likely found that other thing. And that's that's the whole thing. It's I think a lot, some people like from the conversation I have with people, I said, I just want it to be this way and then consistent. Well, consistent is fine for a period of time, but you have to grow uh, because organizations that are big today may not be around in 20 years. We've seen that, you know, even, I forget what the stat is. I think it's like 420 out of the Fortune 500 companies, you know, back in the 1960s, don't exist. Uh That's the top 500 companies on the planet. Gone. Mm -hmm. From the very best to non-existent. It, it can happen quick, and I'm sure there's a lot of similarities of what happened to them, but there, I'm sure there were some variances as well. But at the end of the day, you can't just say, oh, here we are, this is where we're at, and stop. Well, you know, they say people that's, you know, that don't want to take a risk are the ones that stand in the middle of the road are the first ones to get run over. So there's something to that. Agreed. So, so. Uh, as an author myself, I know that you know fetal position sometimes will look like a curled up in a ball crying position. Yeah. Like, why do I want to do this? But I am looking forward to this book coming out because it is so empirically important. Thank uh, you. Because Me organizations too. need to, especially in this time of reinvention, I think, and I really hope that organizations and individuals can take this very tragic situation that many of us have gone through with this pandemic as an opportunity mm-hmm. to take a look at what we're doing in work and in life and look for ways to make it better. And it's, 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 the canvas is, is right there. All we have to do is paint it and um, keep it simple. Don't use the box of 64 crayons, <laughs> start with the eight and then, and move your way up. You know, if you need to, if you need to use the sharpener on the 64, but, uh, but other than that, you know, stick with the eight. You're so. good. Uh-huh. Awesome. Lisa, I've loved this conversation. Where can people find out more about you and this awesome work you're doing? Hey, thank you. You can find me on LinkedIn, obviously Lisa Bodell, and you can also find me at futurethink.com because that is where we have a lot of great stuff on innovation and simplicity and a lot of free resources. So please come check it out. We want to help you. I'll definitely have that in the show notes. So Lisa, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate you. you, And I've loved this conversation. Thanks. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.